We're going to be studying this. If you guys have been following it, we were on like week four of our conflict series. And the whole purpose of this, this series is how do we um, honor God in conflict? How do we get better at conflict? Because here's the thing. If you are a human being in, on earth, you are going to experience conflict in every area of your life. If you try to run from it, you're going to make it worse. If you try to deny it, you're going to make it worse. If you try to pretend it doesn't exist, you're going to make it worse. So as humans, and especially as followers of Jesus, we have to know how to, how to interact with conflict, how to be good at conflict with our spouses, with our children, with our coworkers, with our brothers and sisters here at J-Road. There's going to be some conflict in our missional communities, and that is okay. Um, as we said in the beginning, God doesn't hate conflict. Conflict can be an opportunity to grow in our faith, right? And it, what's bad is unresolved conflict, right? Conflict that's just not resolved or conflict that's handled sinfully, all right? So um, real quick, the four principles in conflict, these are like our goals that we, that we should aim for in conflict, and we talked about these the first week. And those four goals are, Bruce, those four goals are, Yes, there they are. Uh, the four principles in conflict are to glorify God. I know that seems strange when you're in a fight with your spouse. It's not the first thing you're thinking about is, hey, how can I glorify God in this argument over who didn't take the trash out last night and missed the trash pickup? Like, how can I glorify God? But our goal in everything should be how do we glorify God. Um, the, the second one is how about you get the log out of your own eye, meaning before you start Picking out the specks of dust in your brother's eye, get the log out of your own eye, so do some self-reflection. Um, if need be, gently restore the other person and, and show them with gentleness and love if they are in sin, and you can gently restore. And the other one is go and be reconciled. And that is before you do anything else, be reconciled with everybody. Do not let unresolved conflict be. Because the Bible said if you bring your gift, like if you are writing your tithe check, and you realize that you have conflict with somebody that's not resolved, you should stop writing that check and go figure out the conflict because God wants that conflict to be resolved before he, he wants your gift. Does that make sense? That's how important this is, okay? So today's title, in caveat, I may or may not finish today, so I may go into, uh, what's it going to be, like May basically because we have next, <laughs> next week is MC Sunday, the week after that is Next Gen Sunday. So if I don't finish today, we'll pick it up the first week in May. Or how does that sound? I may not use this either, but there's, a, there's something that God keeps putting on my heart for this message, and I don't know if I'm going to get to this today or not either. So bear with me. Does that sound good? Okay. Today's is a very, a very important message in the conflict series, and that's conflict starts in the heart. All right? Conflict starts in the heart. Everybody say conflict starts in the heart. Conflict starts in the what? All right. Does that mean it starts in your, like, organ in your chest that's pumping blood throughout your body? No. I hope you don't have conflict there in the organ that's pumping blood throughout your body. Your heart, you know, you know what your heart is. It's, it's the seat of your, your will, your emotions, your desires, your passions. It's, it's what drives you is your heart. And conflict begins in the heart. Um, and today we're going to be talking about idols, idols. Does everybody, everybody knows what idols are? 
And does everybody know what, what were idols in the Old Testament? What were some of the things you saw when you read the Old Testament? What, what were some idols? The golden calf, that was an idol. What else? Like any people, like stories you remember where there was idols? Baal, yeah. Yeah, prophets of Baal. Nebuchadnezzar, yes. Um, even believers that were following God sometimes had idols that they would set. They were like an image of God that they would worship. And if you guys know, one of the Ten Commandments is, is don't have any idols. Don't have anything that will take the place of God in your life, okay? And even in 1 John 5, 21, it says, little children, you guys like that? How I gave that good pause. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And that doesn't mean just children, it means the church. Keep yourselves from idols. New Testament church, followers of Jesus, don't let idols creep up in your life because it's not good. And it was very important. So to answer the question, I, I kind of have a working definition of what is an idol? What is an idol? All right. Um, an idol is anything that we worship. It is anything that we depend on to make us happy, secure, etc. It is anything we trust, serve, depend on rather than God. That's kind of a long definition of an idol is something that takes your passion and your desire and your everything off of God onto something else. And as you said here, I think this is really good. It's anything that we depend on to make us happy and secure other than God. It's anything that we go to for satisfaction that's not God first. It is okay to have things we go to for pleasure, for satisfaction, like golf or other things. But when those things prioritize themselves over your walk with God, it becomes an idol. And it says we need to like get rid of all the idols and like and not have things competing with God because the Bible says God is a jealous God. He doesn't want things competing for us. So what are some things in our lives that could become idols? Job. Your job, yeah, a career. Not your job, of course, yeah. <laughs> but a job could be an idol. What else? Money, yes. What would somebody say family? Yeah, family. Your pastor. Oh, shucks, Bruce. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> What's that? What what did you say? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um our I heard I heard family, but can our children become idols? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking yesterday. Um, I, I had two soccer games yesterday, and if anybody has little kids in sailor soccer, you know, it's every Saturday from now until May. You know, I had a, I had a 9 o'clock uh, match and a noon match, and it's fun watching the kids have some fun, but it's like I always scratch my head because, like, I, I, I see, the, like, the two-year-old soccer fields, and I walk by those joints, and these kids are, like, two years old, bunched up in a ball, and you got their whole family, an extended family, and their cousins from out of state there cheering on these kids. And the kids are just like, like all just like kicking it out of bounds. They're kicking it in the wrong goal. Like, 
It's fun. I, it's fun, and I'm not bashing it. But in our soccer game, I thought it was, it was the first one of the season, and the kids all lined up because the ref had to check their shin guards and their cleats. So, like, they call the kid forward. They had a list of the kids. So they're like, okay, you know, Joey Smith, you know, come forward. Let me check your cleats. And the parents were like, yes, yes. I said, they're just checking their cleats. I mean, let's chill for a second. Like, the parents, like, were just, like, screaming in excitement. And I'm like, okay, like, just chill for a second. Like, the kid didn't even do nothing. Um, uh, and so I just, I think some of that stuff is funny. Um, but our kids are a big one because we are told that parenting, raising your children, is the number one thing in the whole world. And nothing should come before that. And, you know, it's not true. I mean, it's like we need to have a proper order in our life. And number one, God ultimately needs to be number one. And what does God say? Parents, love your children. <laughs> like, he tells you to love your children. But we're not supposed to elevate our kids more than God. Um, we're supposed to love our wives, right? Love our husbands. Our wives and husbands are not supposed to take the place of God in our lives. So even though marriage, which is one of the most sacred best things that God created can become an idol, right? And it's where our spouse, or if you're not married, your boyfriend or girlfriend, like they're where I derive my purpose in life. They're where I get my meaning. They're where I get my source of love and acceptance, and that can become an idol. That's not good. You want to know why? is because, like, my wife, like, number one, Jesus is number one. Like, she derives her purpose, meaning, hope, joy from Jesus. If, if she didn't, all of that would get directed at me, and I would make a very poor God. Does that make sense? Every time that I have to go away for a couple nights for work, she would be devastated. You know, now she's not. She's like, see ya. <laughs> have fun. Call me when you get there, maybe. Um, she doesn't smother me to the point of like, gosh, I can't do this. Like, I, I can't be her God. Does that make sense? And, and I'll, I'll go to this real quick because I feel like, um, well, I won't go there quite yet. Let me read this real quick. Sorry. <clears throat> Let's look at James chapter 4, because if I don't get some scripture in here, Becky Baxter will call me this week and say, why didn't you read scripture? And I appreciate that, so I better read the scripture before I just end the sermon. Um, this is what we'll talk about in three weeks, so it's very important. Um, <clears throat> James 4, 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You're, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Um, very important that we cover this passage in our conflict series, because it taught, like, this passage in a nutshell, kind of covers every conflict that we're going to enter into. Um, why are you fighting? Like, why is there quarreling among you? It's not because other people are jerks. It's not because 
your brother, like, always fights with you, so that's why you're always fighting. The reason that you're always fighting is because um, what causes fights? Doesn't the fights come from your desires that battle within you? So he's saying, if you're always in conflict, it's not because of other people. It's because of the evil desires that are waging war inside of your own heart. So he's saying, before you look to switch jobs because you're fighting with everybody, maybe you should look in the mirror and see why. Maybe there's a common denominator here. Maybe it's my desires that are waging war within me in this internal war is spilling out into other people. Does that make sense? And where this internal war comes out is the idols that we built up inside of our hearts. Right? Do you know what a really big idol revealer is? And I've done a lot of them, is funerals. Right? I talked to some people about this recently. Um, when somebody dies in the family, it might reveal if there's some idols there that are hidden, right? What's going to happen with the money? What's going to happen with the house? That's my house. This is my. It's like, hey, this is a time for grieving. This is a time for, and we're here fighting about money? And so it's not about your spouse while you're fighting all the time. It's about maybe that there is unmet desires in your own heart, that you have built from, you built from idols. So the root cause of conflict, the next slide, is unmet desires in your heart. So I'm going to go through this real quick. Um, this is a teaching that, uh, there's a book called Three Passions of the Soul. There's many different teachings about this, um, but it talks about every human has three basic um, desires, three basic passions of their soul, okay? And so the first one is love. Um, or acceptance. You could say it one of two ways, love or acceptance, but to be loved, to be accepted. Um, the second is security. Okay. Love, security, and what do you think the third one is? Anybody have an idea? Starts with an S. I won't make you guess because we're short on time. It's significance. Love, security, significance. So when you reduce all of these down into five or six different teachings, you'll, you'll come down to these three. Um, love, security, significance. Um, so we all have these desires. We all want to be loved, right? We all want acceptance. We all want security. And when I say security, that's not only to be feel safe, like I want to feel safe, um, but I also, like, it, that involves money. Like, if I have enough money, like, I want to feel safe and secure. Like, you know anybody else that, like, maybe you're a financial advisor out there, um, like Sir Floyd, and you see people that have $2 million in the bank, and they feel like, I don't have enough. I don't feel like I have enough. I have everything paid off. I have $5 million in the bank. I mean, financial advisors, like, my, brother's a fi my brother in law is a financial advisor. He told me this. People have millions of dollars in the bank, and they stay up at night stressing because they don't have enough. That tells me that there's a problem with the part of their heart that has to do with security. I'm never taking any risk because if I take a risk, I may fail. And if I may fail, I may lose money. And if I lose money, I'm going to be done for. So people's, some people struggle with this more than others. And the other one is significance. 
That is more like, I want to be respected. I want accolades. I don't really care if you love me. I don't really care about taking risk, but I want to be respected. I want people to look up to me. I want people to honor me. And um, I need a place of significance. Does that make sense? Okay. So with these three things um, aren't idols, but our idols can be connected to these things. So I'll go through this really quick. Um, let's say you're in school and one of your idols is to have good grades. Is that a bad thing to want good grades? No, but good grades could become an idol. And like, why, why could good grades become an idol? Um, is because if you want to be valedictorian of your class, so your mom and dad respect you and all your peers look up to you, that means your good grades could be is where you're deriving your significance from. Make sense? Okay. Um, so here's another one. If you're dating and you get a boyfriend, like you ever know that girl in school or that guy in school that gets a girlfriend or a girl gets a boyfriend, and they just are attached to them and they are obsessed with that person and they, are, they will not let them go and it's like they're obsessed. Well, a girlfriend isn't bad. A boyfriend's not bad. But if it's where you're deriving your sense of love from, it becomes an idol. So do you see what I'm saying here? In like security, money, I, I never have enough. I want to feel secure. And so the point that we're going to get into in a couple weeks are, is the three passions of the soul. If you read the Bible, these are all three connected and rooted to the gospel. So, followers of Jesus Christ, we have all three of these passions completely satisfied in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Like, totally satisfied. And so, like, I, when, I, when you become a Christian and you start following Jesus and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you realize that you are completely loved by a good, good father who's never going to die. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to not show up for a holiday. He's never not going to answer your phone call. Like, God loves you. Amen? Amen? And it's like, I derive that. This is where I have this centered in the gospel. So, when I met Nicole, she, her love tank was filled by Jesus Christ and the gospel. So we love each other but it's not to derive our sense of purpose and love from. We love each other because it's great to have a spouse, and we love each other because our marriage could bring honor and glory to God. But I don't get, like, my ultimate source of love is from the Lord. Um, security. The Bible says that we all have the hope in heaven. Our treasures are laid up in heaven. We all are going to go there someday. This earth is a temporary stopping ground. So whether you're homeless or you're a multimillionaire, we're all going to go to heaven where we're all going to receive riches for the things that we've done. Amen? It doesn't really matter. Like, if we're obsessing about money here on earth for too much, it's going to become too much. I realize I could save $5 million or I could save $50. It's all going away when I die. So my security has to come from the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that I'm eternally secure. And in heaven is where my permanent home is. This home I could decorate all I want but it's going to burn up in the end times. <laughs> Everything is going to burn up. We're going to leave here just like we came here, buck naked with nothing else. Your 401k, if you don't spend it, you're going to lose it, or there's going to be a financial collapse, you're going to lose it anyway. 
Um, sorry, but it's true. Um, in my significance, um, my significance ultimately comes from the Lord. What does the Bible say? We read about it last week. You are, you've been raised up and seated at the right hand of God. Like you've been, you are, we're going to get crowns in heaven. We are children of God. The Bible says that um, we are priesthood of believers. We're holy and pure. So my significance doesn't really come from being valedictorian of my class of 100 people. My significance becomes I'm the child of the one true king. And my dad is royalty. And you can't take that away from me. Amen? I mean, that should excite us. If you are trying to der derive all of your significance or your love and security from something else, it gets propped up and it becomes your idol. And that's what we crave after. And so until we meet again, we have to realize that all three of these passions of our soul has to get founded and rooted in Jesus Christ first. And if something is rubbing up against that, we have to repent of it and ask God to meet that need. I do not need Nicole or my children or my mom and dad to meet this. I love it that they love me, and I love them too, but it's not the foundation. That makes sense? My retirement plan is good to look at. It's up, it's down, you know. I don't obsess about it because I know it's going to all go away someday. And if my mind isn't rooted in the gospel, I'm going to be sweating bullets looking at the thing every day. It's down 5%. It's up 5%. It's become an idol. And my significance is because my dad's a king. And I am a child of the one true king. And so we're going to get more into idols next time we talk. But worshiping you guys come forward. I'm going to pray for us as we think about this. Holy moly. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. Um, God, it's so, this is such a big topic because idols of our hearts is where a lot of sin hides. It's where a lot of unsatisfaction lies. And God, many of us are unsatisfied all the time and we try to blame other people. But God, as your word says, this unsatisfaction is coming from desires in our hearts that are unmet. And God, uh, help us all as a church realize that you've met every desire for our hearts. You love us unconditionally. You're preparing a place for us better than our home here. And you called us child. You've adopted us into your royal family. And so help us build a foundation where you are at the seat of our hearts. And God, the next time we study this, help us reveal idols that we have possibly built up in our hearts. So God, as we sing and worship this, during this last song, help us just focus on you and think about if there's anything that we've maybe put as an idol in our lives. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.